The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday, January 18th, 2024. A little bit warmer outside today, isn't it, than it's been over the last couple of days. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday afternoon. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. This is the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Lots to talk about today. Auburn basketball, a winner once again last night that's becoming a uh, a very common thing for this Auburn basketball team so we'll talk about that today and uh the scare that happened and also uh the fact that this team's just really stinking good folks this team's good man so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about that Auburn basketball team uh we're also going to uh talk a little bit more football we've got still more reactions on the coaching hires uh, that happened yesterday also um it was while I was on the air just not during this show it was while I was sitting in on the drive yesterday uh, Auburn football picked up a huge commitment uh, in the transfer portal from the SEC and from our biggest rival. That's right, Auburn picks up a defensive back transfer from the Alabama Crimson Tide, so we'll talk about that today as well. And it's Thursday, which is busy on the show uh, for guests, and you know that if you've been here for a while. We'll have Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. He'll join us in this first hour. That will be at 2.30, so he'll join us uh, coming up in about 30 minutes. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. We'll talk basketball from last night, football updates, Tiger Talk coming up tonight as well. So we'll have all that with Brad Law coming up in about 30 minutes or so. And then Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, will join us in hour number two. Lots of things to get to when it comes to the SEC. That's what we'll talk about with him in hour number two with basketball, football, recruiting, um, you name it we'll we'll cover it with Chris Gordy host of the Locked On SEC podcast so that's coming up in hour number two until then until our two guests Brad Law and Chris Gordy phone lines are open give us a call we want to hear from you what's on your mind on this Thursday afternoon our new intern John waiting by the phone lines he would love to talk to you get you on the air because I want to talk to you what's on your mind what do you want to talk about on this Thursday afternoon. That phone number to get you through to me, 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. And got to start with the basketball game from last night. Auburn goes on the road to face Vanderbilt. Auburn basketball, top 15 in the country. Vanderbilt, bottom of the SEC. And you saw that last night. Auburn wins 80-65. to they were up 41 to 24 at the half. Was Auburn there in Nashville? Great offensive half, even better defensive half. Both teams kind of went to sleep offensively in this game for a little bit. 
And Bruce Pearl talked about it in his post-game press conference. He was not happy with how Auburn played in the second half last night. Because in case you didn't see the first and second half splits, Auburn technically lost the second half last night. They lost it 41-39. They lost by two. They let Vanderbilt beat them in the last 20 minutes. And while it obviously didn't matter, on the final score, right, on the final result, that's not the first time this has happened this year, right? That's not the first time that we've seen this Auburn team have a really good first half, go up big on a lesser opponent, and then come out in the second half and just not play all that well, right? Kind of play a little complacent, if you will, and just not play up to their normal standard. And we've talked about this, how difficult it is for a team who is really, really good, and we're going to talk about that, but for a team that's this talented and for them to know how talented they are, and when you're up 41 to 24 on a team at the half, it's hard to come out with that same motivation in the second half. You would think, well, don't you want to beat them by more? Well, sure, but you just played extremely hard for 20 minutes and you're up by, you know, almost 20 points. Do you really want to play that hard again? Most people are going to say no. And I think, unfortunately, this is one of the few bad things. I think this Auburn team understands just how good they are. And I think they know, especially against a team like Vanderbilt, they didn't have to play their best basketball in the second half last night, and they were still going to win the game. And they still win by 15 points. They still won the game. They still covered the spread, right, for those of you that are into that type of thing. So they did everything they were supposed to do. You put up 80 points on the road, hold Vanderbilt to 65, a team that's given teams like Alabama everything they wanted and then some. So overall, it's a nice win. But Bruce Pearl was not happy with that second half. And like I said, that's not the first time this has happened this year. But regardless... Auburn wins 80-65. to And you start looking at this team, man, Auburn, I mean, I don't understand, I don't understand how Bruce was able to acquire all of this talent. I don't know who let him do this, but everybody got fooled by Bruce Pearl. He did this under the radar, pulled a bag over their heads, and said, watch this. And he has put together what I believe to be one of the best teams in all of college basketball. They're going to move up in the polls as long as they handle business against Ole Miss this weekend, which I don't know if you saw them play last night. Auburn looks pretty good, right, compared to that. Your five starters continue to be Janai Broom, Chris Moore, Jalen Williams, Denver Jones, Aiden Holloway. I have something to talk about with the starters in a minute. But the story of the night for Auburn was Jalen Williams who for the second time this year, for the second time this year, had a game, a full game, where he did not miss a shot, didn't miss a field goal, didn't miss a three-pointer, didn't miss a free throw. If it left his hands and it went towards the basket, it went in. That's unbelievable. Do you understand how hard that is to do in basketball, in college basketball nevertheless? 
He was 7 of 7 from the floor, 2 of 2 from 3, and 5 of 5 at the free throw line. He also added 8 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block, and had just one turnover in a 21-point performance. You also had two other starters in double digits. You had Janai Broom with 15 on 6 of 12 shooting. Did take two threes, didn't knock him down. He was 3 of 5 from the free throw line. Grabbed 12 rebounds. There's that double-double we talk about all the time. Couple of assists, three steals, and a block. And just the one turnover. Your other starter in double digits was Aiden Holloway, who played just 19 minutes because Trey Donaldson got the other 21. All right, Aiden Holloway played 19, was 3 of 8 for shooting, 2 of 6 from downtown, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. So still not shooting at the efficiency I think we would all like to see. But he had one assist, had one turnover, gotten some foul trouble, but he had 10 points. And then your consistent double-digit guy off the bench who normally is in double digits, KD Johnson, he only had two points. Your other player, though, with a career night was Dylan Cardwell, who played 15 minutes, four of seven from the floor, four of four from the free throw line. How about that? Second on the team behind Jalen Williams. Six rebounds, a steal, two blocks, and 12 points. That's what your backup center is doing right now. He is shooting the ball confidently at the charity stripe. He's coming in and basically playing the exact same level as Janai Broom when he's in the game. That's unbelievable. And that is a huge flex for this Auburn team. It's a huge advantage for Bruce Pearl and the Tigers. Because Dylan Cardwell, ESPN Zone, he'll be on the drive this afternoon at 5.30 for Tiger Takes. And I'm sure they'll talk about his performance last night. And I talked to him a couple of weeks ago about it. I said, man, what's the relationship between you and Janai? And he said, it's great. He said, we understand that we're going to share minutes. We're going to split time. Janai had 25 last night. Dylan had 15. He said, at the beginning, we didn't always understand that. We didn't always get that. And to be honest, he said, we didn't really want that. But now he said, we understand that's what it takes. And that's what this team is built from. And he's exactly right. He is exactly right. Because it's not just Janai and Dylan. It's Aiden and Trey. It's Denver and KD. It's Jalen and CBM. It's Chris and Chaney Johnson. Right? All of these guys are getting very significant minutes. And Chad Baker-Mazzara didn't have a great night. He had five points last night. Trey Donaldson had five points last night. Didn't have any assists. Wasn't a great assist night for Auburn. Only had 13 as a team. But yet they still go on the road in the SEC as a ranked team. And not only win the game, they win by 15. This team is really good. And it's the deepest team I think I've ever seen in college basketball. And the fact that your backup center is playing at a starter's level, the fact that your backup point guard and Trey Donaldson's playing at a starter's level, KD Johnson didn't have a good night last night, but consistently has been playing at a starter's level at the shooting guard. And Chad Baker-Mazzara 
is right there with Jalen Williams when it comes to potential. And now Jalen Williams has finally, after four years, has finally figured out, hey, I'm pretty good at this whole basketball thing. I'm pretty good. And if I just put my head to it and just decide I'm going to play tonight, I'm the best one on the floor. I've been telling you that for years. And all it took was a little bit of confidence, a little bit of kick in the pants, and Jalen Williams has finally figured that out too. And look what he does. He was unstoppable. He could have had more last night. But an effortless 21 points. And 100% shooting from the floor, from behind the arc, and from the free throw line. And he was second on the team in rebounds. He's the best player on the team right now. And it shows when he has a game like that. Now, does Auburn have to fix their second half leniency? Sure. But we've seen it enough times already in close games this year. Auburn can play 40 minutes if they need to. They can turn it back on. I'm not worried about that. And it's not necessarily that they've just turned it off. They just didn't play to the full extent. right? They had to play 40 minutes against Texas A&M. I would argue they had to play 40 minutes against LSU. They didn't have to do it against Arkansas or a lot of their non-conference games. Even the big ones, right? Indiana, they didn't have to do that. App State, we know what happened there. That was just an anomaly. But the game coming up against Ole Miss on Saturday, yeah, you're going to have to play 40 minutes. Alabama next week, 40 minutes. On the road at Mississippi State, probably. But I'm not worried about it. I know Bruce Pearl is, and I know he's frustrated. He's trying to send a message to his team. I get it. But deep down in the heart of Bruce Pearl, he understands this team has potential. And here's what I'm going to say. This is a, it's a very, very hot take here. But I firmly believe it. I'm not saying this to get engagement. I'm not saying this to blow up or anything like that. I firmly, truly, 100% believe this. From what I've seen from this Auburn team right now, compared to what I've seen in the past with Auburn teams, in the past with other college basketball teams that are, quote, peaking in January, this team's not peaking right now. This team consistently gets better. And this team is always good. They're good night in and night out. And because of all the players that make an impact here, they're not going anywhere. There's no drop-off here. This isn't the Jabari Smith-Walker-Kessler team that had serious, serious problems. They overcame them with talent. That's not happening here. What are the problems with this Auburn basketball team? You tell me. What are the problems here? What legitimate issues does this team have? It's really hard to find some. There are, but it's really hard. You have to think about it, don't you? You've got to sit and think about, wow, what is wrong with this team? There's not very much. And I say all that to say this, the thing that I believe, when it starts coming to expectations for this team, for this unit, for the 2023-2024 basketball season, your expectations should be extremely high. I'm talking Elite Eight and Final Four. Because I think they're that good. 
Doesn't mean they'll get there because the NCAA tournament's the hardest postseason to win because of the craziness, the unpredictableness, if that's a word, of the NCAA tournament, the madness that it is, right? It's one of the hardest ones to win. That's why the best team doesn't always win. But Auburn is one of those best teams. And they're so good that I don't know who's going to stop them. I don't know who's going to stop them on a consistent basis. And I legitimately believe that your expectations for this Auburn basketball team, because they're mine too, I expect a deep, deep run in the NCAA tournament. And if we don't get that, we should start to really be worried here. I think we should start to be really concerned. Because this team, I haven't seen a team like them in a long, long time. And that's very exciting for me. And I hope it's exciting for you as well. we got to get to our first break here in hour number one. Give me a call. What did you think about the game last night? What did you think about Auburn taking down Vanderbilt, a place they've played horribly over the past? They go in, they, they squash that. They, they got rid of that narrative pretty quick. They go in, get a 15-point win on the road to an unranked team in conference play. Not many teams can say that in college basketball. What do you think about it? 334-321-1390. We'll talk some more about that, plus some Auburn football news when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7 for the Thursday edition of On the Line. Coming up in a few minutes, Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network will join us. We'll talk to him about basketball, uh, get some updates on football, and also what's coming up tonight over on Tiger Talk. So we'll have Brad Law joining us coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But phone lines are still open, so you can give me a call, talk about whatever it is that's on your mind on this Thursday afternoon. 334-321-1390. We were talking basketball. Basketball. So if you want to talk about that, come on in. We can have a conversation about that. But some news uh, on the Auburn front um, about uh, the transfer portal and recruiting and everything else. There was something that happened yesterday uh, that Auburn was able to uh, to pick up in the transfer portal and a huge, huge commitment from the portal as Auburn picks up Antonio Kite, the defensive back from Alabama. He was a previous four-star in high school. Uh, He's from the state of Alabama. He went to Alabama and was one of the many, many players that uh, hit the transfer portal when Nick Saban decided to retire from Alabama football. And this was a guy that Auburn very easily could have had if they had had a, oh, I don't know, a coaching staff that cared, knew what they were doing, was smart, right? If they had people that knew what in the heck was happening when it came to high school recruiting in this state. But anyway, Auburn could have had him because he likes Auburn. He loves Auburn and could have been an Auburn guy. Tigers didn't go after him all that much, didn't really pursue it, and so he went to Alabama as a lot of kids have done over the last few years. And now that Nick Saban retired, as I mentioned, he was one of the many that decided, nope, peace out, Girl Scout, I got to get out of here, and hit the transfer portal, and Hugh Freeze and company were able to jump on it pretty quickly 
And this was a pretty quick done deal. It was something that I think Auburn jumped on immediately. This was the feel immediately um, that he was probably going to be uh, coming to Auburn and it happened pretty quickly and he committed and signed yesterday uh, when we were first hour of the drive yesterday when I was having a, a conversation with Jason Caldwell from Auburn Undercover so huge huge get for for Hugh Freeze and this staff he joins a a backfield that lost big names like Jalen Simpson Zion Puckett DJ James Nehemiah Pritchett all those guys are gone right but you now have you have Antonio Kite. You have the safety Jaron Thompson, who's coming in from Texas, uh, that Auburn picked up in the in the portal as well. So here recently, you get a big safety pickup and you get a big corner pickup. And uh, he's out of Anniston, Alabama. He was the number 227th player in the country, number 10 athlete, and number 11 player in the state of Alabama in the 2022 class. Um and, you know, Auburn, like I said, Auburn could have had him if they had just pursued it the way they were supposed to, and they didn't. But now he's coming back to Auburn. He played two games in 2022. He redshirted as a freshman, so uh, didn't, didn't do a whole lot. And then this past year, in 2023, he appeared in seven total games. Um, not a ton of defensive snaps. It was a lot of um, kind of special teams action there and uh, didn't have any stats. But... He's the ninth pickup for Auburn in the portal. And this is a guy that I think, and I was talking with Jason about this yesterday, I think he can walk in and be a a competitor to start in the backfield, in the secondary for Auburn. Antonio Kite's a player, folks. He is a player. And there's a reason he was going to be in line to start at Alabama. He should be in line to start at Auburn. And I think he will be. I think it'll be a very good competition but I think he's going to be in that rotation. So that's really good news, right? There's another addition for Auburn through the transfer portal. And also the other news that we talked about yesterday that we're continuing to get reactions to is Auburn hiring Derek Nix as the offensive coordinator. And I'm still getting a kind of a gauge on where fans feel about all of this, right? How they feel Um, when it comes to the offensive coordinator hire. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty here. I think there's just a lot of people saying, well, I guess we'll just kind of see how it goes. And to be completely honest with you, when it comes to on-the-field stuff, I'm with you. Because we're kind of in that boat. We're kind of just like, okay, let's see what this offense is going to look like. Let's see... What's going to happen with Hugh Freeze calling plays and Derek Nix now stepping in and Ken Austin now coaching the quarterbacks and Derek Nix also coaching the running backs, right? Let's see what it looks like. See what happens, right? We'll see how much Hugh Freeze is really calling plays, how much he's engaged with it, how much um, Derek Nix is um, involved in the coaching, in the play calling, and the game planning, a word we heard a lot this past fall, game planning on the offensive side. But Auburn didn't bring in Derek Nix from Ole Miss to be a true offensive guru mastermind on that side of the football. They brought him in to help contribute with that and also hit the recruiting trail and hit it hard because that's what this guy does. Derek Nix is a recruiter through and through. That's why they brought him here. That's what they're going to use him for. 
And I think it's going to work out really well for Auburn and Hugh Freeze because he's gotten some big names in the past. And I know, okay, I know that there's a lot of people that are still upset about the whole Cadillac Williams thing. And he was a really good guy. and He was an Auburn guy. And he preached Auburn. He loved Auburn. But I do think that Derek Nix is going to be a better recruiter than him, a better recruiter of the highest level talent possible, not just guys that want to be at Auburn. I think Derek Nix is going to bring in guys that could be playing on Sundays. And he doesn't just recruit offensive guys. He's recruited defensive guys all throughout his time. Multiple five stars throughout his day. That should get you excited. I think that will be a huge addition to this coaching staff. And as the offensive coordinator, he'll be one of Hugh Freeze's right-hand guys. We'll see how it goes. Sky's the limit, I think, when it comes to the offensive side and recruiting for Auburn football. Coming up, we'll have Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. He'll join us when we come back. We'll talk football, basketball, and Tiger Talk, the show coming up tonight. That'll be here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Don't go anywhere. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. As we get to the phone lines, our Thursday guest at 2.30, it's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network with tons of things to talk about today. Brad, hope hope you're doing well and uh, hope you made it back safely from Nashville. We did, yes. We're great. And uh, I did not actually go to Nashville. I was in the friendly confines of the Auburn Sports Network studio. There you go. Uh, yeah, but uh, and I would normally say warm, but it was cold in there last night. So that's okay. <laughs> we got our gloves and our and our headgear, and uh, we had a good time last night as Auburn just uh, cruised to another double digit win in the SEC. So we're having a good day. Yeah, it just seems like Auburn uh, has gotten into the habit of doing that, Brad. They go on the road, they take down Vanderbilt 80 to 65 and and look across college basketball, road games in conference play for a ranked team. That's been that's just been doom and gloom for pretty much every other team in college basketball except for this Auburn team. They get a 15-point win last night. Yeah, the road teams, I think these numbers are right. The road teams are 10 and 18. So the home teams are winning two-thirds of the games, and two of those 10 wins in the league belong to Auburn, now Arkansas and Vanderbilt. And, you know, I I understand, I guess, if we want to try to minimize what the team has done, uh, that the teams that they have beaten, uh, more of them are are in the bottom half of the standings than are are in the top of the standings. But uh, that LSU team is better than a lot of people think, I believe. And um, especially with Cook, on that roster and, and doing things. And um, I just, I really believe in this Auburn team. I think there are other coaches in the league who are saying that this is Bruce's best team. And so I think the sky's the limit for sure. 
Well, Auburn wins 80-65 to last night, and, and I was talking about this as we got on the air today, Brad. Bruce Pearl talked about how he wasn't happy with the second-half performance yet again, where Auburn actually gets beat by two in the second half to Vanderbilt, but their lead in the first half kind of you know, it kind of leads into that and feeds off of that. And so what are you seeing from this Auburn team right now? Any concern with maybe some of those um, lesser second-half performances we've seen a few times this year? Not for me. Uh, now, you know, I'm not the head coach, so uh, I think his attitude has to be a little different. And I would take the fact that he is so upset after some of these second halves. Uh, here's how I decode that. All right. And this could be wrong. And I, I kind of want to ask him about it at Tiger Talk tonight. But um, I just I think he's been harder on this team than he's been with other teams. The teams that he's hardest on are typically the, the, the teams that he believes can go the farthest in March, can can achieve the most. Mm-hmm. And that checks out logically. All right. You think about those who are teachers or leaders in any other field like you really want to challenge the ones that, you know, have high ceilings. And that's what I think that says about his belief in this team. I think he believes this team's capable of everything that you can imagine this year. To do that, you you can't, like, I kind of go back and forth on this, Jacob, because on one hand I want to go, sure you can have a second half like that when you have the kind of first halves Auburn has been having against Vanderbilt you can absolutely play even with them in the second half if you have a 17 point halftime lead uh, against Arkansas uh, well they had a great second half against Arkansas but you know if you build a 20 25 30 point lead at halftime yes you can play even in the second half and win the game and that's the objective I also understand that when you play Kentucky you're not likely going to have a 17-point halftime lead. You mm-hmm. might. That Neville Arena, I don't write it off. But uh, And so, therefore, uh, if you play even in the first half, you got to have something extra in the second half. I understand that. I fully get that. Um, and I think that's the message that he's trying to send to the team is to, to play with the best in the conference, the teams that are also among the best in the conference, like Auburn is among the best in the conference. You have to play more solidly for 40 minutes of course if Auburn plays the second half you know yada 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 then it's not going to go well but you know if a frog had wings he wouldn't bump his rear end every time he jumped so there you go uh you can you can play that game all day well the thing for me Brad that I continue to be I guess I shouldn't be blown away by it anymore because Bruce Pearl told us he was going to do this and it's been the trend all season long but it's the minute split between just about every player on this team, I mean, Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson are, are right there even in minutes this year. Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell are pretty, you know, they're pretty close in minutes. Of course, Cardwell having one of his best nights last night as an Auburn Tiger. You look at KD Johnson and Denver Jones. I mean, it really is a just a deep, deep team, and they embrace that, and I think that's what makes them so dangerous. It's Yeah, the guys are playing those minutes because they're productive. They're not just playing the minutes to rest the starters, but they're actually getting in there and they're affecting the game in a positive way. And I look at it like this, Jacob, and I don't remember if I've kind of made, if, if I've talked about it in these terms before, but, you know, when, it, when a team sits down for a scouting report on the opponent, okay, just put yourself in the, in the position of you're one of the players. You're playing two games a week, 
So your turnaround time to learn about the opponent is really small. Coaches have more time because they work ahead. They divide them up like Auburn staff. They divide three different teams up on advanced scouting. And so by the time that the, the prep time for Ole Miss comes around, you know, guys have been making notes on Ole Miss for a week or more. The players, however, are just starting today to prep for a game that's, what, 48 hours or a little more than that away now. So for the player, there's such little turnaround time to prepare for another opponent. So if you sit in a scouting scouting, uh, uh, session to prepare for Auburn, I'm sorry, to prepare for most other teams, they're going to put the top five or six players on the board and you have to know their tendencies and you have to know, you know, don't let this guy shoot uh, on the baseline. That's where he likes to shoot. If this guy uh, makes this, you know, screen on this side of the floor, he's going to try to go to this side of the floor. Like there are tendencies and you learn those. Right. Once you get to about guy seven and eight, you're not spending a lot of time on those guys. Here's this guy. He's got four shots on the year. He likes to take threes. Make sure you guard him. Like that's kind of it. When you prepare for Auburn, you're preparing for 10 guys legitimately, and you're having to learn 10 sets of tendencies. And that's hard for a guy who's in the game and he's playing the game and he's remembering his own plays and he's trying to line up in the right place defensively. And now the second string for Auburn comes in. What does this guy do well? What about this guy? I don't remember. My gosh, there's 10 or 11 of them that are coming at me (laughs) in the course of a game. Like It's just sort of feasibly, practically, hard to prepare for that kind of depth so it's very functional depth that auburn has i'll tell you what else is hard to prepare for brad a guy in Jalen williams that when he steps on the floor for the second time this year he didn't miss a shot seven of seven from the floor two of two from three and five of five from the free throw line 21 points the team's second leading rebounder what are you supposed to do with a guy that's finally realized he's really good at this whole basketball thing yeah, front him, double-team him, don't let him get the ball. Uh, it's a great question, really. I don't know what I'd do if I was an opposing coach because it's one thing, you know, minimizers, if you do it against Chattanooga, minimizers go, well, that's Chattanooga. All right, when well, I've done it in an SEC game, on the road, in one of the toughest gyms in which to shoot. Yep. Um, and he did it. He's a Jalen Williams is playing like the SEC player of the year right now, and Auburn's depth may work against him for that individual accolade. That doesn't mean anything to him. But I think it's fair that any objective observer would look and say Jalen is playing like the SEC Player of the Year. He's gone 20-plus in five of the last nine games. Um, He's looking for his shot more, but he's still maintaining selflessness. He's rebounding. He's hitting threes. He's hitting twos. He's hitting free throws. I think over this this 10-game winning streak, I saw Justin Ferguson's numbers that his his true shooting percentage is like 80% over this span. Yeah, the only thing I know to to try to do against him is keep him from getting the ball. And that's tough to do because physically he matches up well. He's quicker than a 5, and he's usually stronger uh, than a 4 and got great size advantage on a 3. So... Uh, it's, it, he's a tremendous asset to this team. 
Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Looking ahead for this Auburn team, you mentioned it already, Brad, 10-game winning streak. They put that on the line this Saturday as they come back home to Neville Arena, taking on what is right now a top 25 Ole Miss team with a very familiar face in Alan Flanagan making his return to Neville Arena. I'm sure the jungle will give him such a warm reception. That game will be at 7.30 over on Wings 94.3. Expect for this huge SEC matchup Saturday night? I hope the jungle gives him a positive reception. Uh, Allen is a guy who graduated from Auburn and gave a lot during his time here. And, you know, his his dad took a job at Ole Miss. Their family has ties to Ole Miss and, and roots there. And, uh, and he wanted to go and, and play with his dad again. That was something he really loved doing here. So I hope that the jungle and everybody else in the building will uh, rise to their feet and applaud uh, when Allen is, is introduced and when he comes out on the floor. I really do. I hope it's nothing but positive for Allen Flanagan um, in terms of the reception that he gets. And then I hope Auburn locks in and clamps down and, and you know keeps him in check during the game. Uh, it's going to be very <laughs> tough to do. Ole Miss's guards, Ole Miss's guards are, are incredibly good. Their three-point percentage has risen. Over the course of the last month, that wasn't really a weapon at the beginning of the year, but it is now. Auburn's been good defensively against teams' best scorers this year. So how they handle uh, Matthew Morrell, uh, a guy who I think the coaching staff really liked and may have taken a shot at, at trying to get to come here in the offseason. I know they have a lot of respect for him. Um, how they do against him will go a long way to, to say who wins the game. And I love the matchup. Bruce Pearl and Chris Beard. Um, Wanted to see this matchup, thought we should have seen this matchup in the 2019 National Championship game. Yeah, uh, Should have been Texas Tech and, and Auburn instead of Virginia. And I uh, would have loved to see it then, but you got a couple of powerhouse coaches who can coach the heck out of some defense and have teams that are capable of, of uh, having some explosive spurts in scoring. So really excited about this matchup. That game will air at 7.30 p.m. Saturday night over in Neville Arena. Of course, here locally, Auburn Opelika. You can find that over on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com, the local flagship station for Auburn men's basketball. Pre-game 7 o'clock uh, on Saturday night. Brad, with you and all the Auburn Sports Network guys, also on Wings 94.3. We talk about it every week, previewing the weekly Tiger Talk show that will be coming up tonight on Wings. Tell people what they can uh, expect to hear and who they'll hear from tonight on Tiger Talk. Well, you'll hear from a fired-up Bruce Pearl, uh, for sure, after he's had a little time to uh, digest last night's game, and, uh, and and he'll talk about that a little bit, but he's already turned the page very quickly to Ole Miss, so he'll be fired up talking about the Rebels, and you'll get to experience that, by the way, if you can come out to Baumhauer's Victory Grill, come out and watch the show live tonight from 6 to 7. We're also going to have Jeff Graba on the show. Uh, gymnastics raised its score from the quad meet out in Vegas, uh, they raised it against Kentucky last weekend, and they have a top 10 Florida squad coming in here at 5 o'clock tomorrow. So uh, we're going to talk with Coach Graba about that as well. going to be a fun show. Man, SEC Gymnastics has just taken a, a step up in competition, man. It's it's a battle every single Friday night in the SEC. We talk about that with football, basketball, other sports, but gymnastics is up there with all of them, Brad. No, it is. And, uh, and the thing you have to remember, so Kentucky scored higher. They won the meet last week. But your rankings, your postseason placement, qualifying, and all of that is determined by your scoring. So Auburn improved from, from the first competition to the second competition, and they will look to do that 
uh, again tomorrow. Really, really fun atmosphere against Kentucky last week, and that was a 7.30 start. Yeah. So this one's a little earlier. Kids will have a little more juice, and uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a really good time. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to Coach Grabo about that tonight. That is on Tiger Talk tonight. Again, 6 to 7. You can go visit them out at Baumhauer's Victory Grill, or if you can't make it out there, tune in on Wings 94.3 and wingsfm.com. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Man, we appreciate you. Have a great time tonight for Tiger Talk and a great call with Andy and all the guys on Saturday for Auburn basketball. Always appreciate it, Jacob. War Eagle. That's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Joins us every Thursday right here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. We appreciate him and his time. Him, Andy, uh, all the guys, Jacob Hillman, Britt Bowen, all the guys over the Auburn Sports Network do such a wonderful job, and we appreciate their time. Speaking of Britt Bowen, great friend of mine, uh, if you want to flip back and forth, uh, don't go too long, though. Over on AU100, that's 100.3 FM, Auburn women's basketball taking on Vanderbilt right now. They're playing in Nashville. They moved that game time up uh, because there's some I believe there's snow about to be moving through Nashville and so they move the game time up trying to get everybody out of there before all of that hits and so uh, you can go and check that out that's over on AU 100 100.3 FM also tonight uh, and then tomorrow and and a whole bunch next week but tonight Lee Scott basketball will be on the air over on Tiger Country, 104.5 at TigerCountry.net. Uh, Lee Scott taking on Springwood tonight. I will go on the air at 5.15 on the Lee Scott Sports Network, so excited to be back on the airwaves for that. And then tomorrow night in more of our high school basketball coverage, Auburn High School on the road at Central Phoenix City. Jack Hudden will have the call for you on the Auburn High School Sports Network. On the air at 5.15, Varsity Girls begin at 5.30. So that's what's going on. we got Auburn women's basketball on right now. Tiger Talk later tonight lee scott later tonight auburn high school tomorrow auburn men's basketball saturday who's doing it better than us i don't think there's anybody that's why uh, we we got so much going on all sorts of content for you to take in over the next couple of days phone lines are open now that we're uh, off the phone with brad so give me a call what's on your mind 334-321-1390 we'll come back up wrap up hour number one and get into hour number two here on espn 1067 are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We thank Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network, always joining us on Thursdays. Always really enjoy talking with Brad. Good friends outside of here. We've become a good working relationship, of course, us here at Auburn Network, working with the Auburn Sports Network. Uh, that started back in uh, over the summer with the football season. So been a lot of fun, and we uh, we just we love the partnership, and we appreciate all of their efforts and their time. Of course, jumping on the shows. I know Andy's in on the drive on Tuesdays quite a bit. Uh, Brad's with me every Thursday on the phone lines, and so we appreciate them and all of their time. And some things that Brad was talking about there, especially with this basketball team, I want you to think about what he was talking about there. He was talking about other coaches preparing for Auburn basketball, for this Auburn team. And Brad's exactly right. It is hard to prepare for a team in general, right? Prepare for any team in the conference. You have to prepare for, I would say, five to seven guys, right? The starting five and a couple of players off the bench that are going to be impactful, effective, all of that type of stuff, right? Think about what they're having to do for Auburn. You're having to now prepare, instead of six to seven, 
it's 10 to 12, legitimately. Like, you have to prepare for the guys at the bottom, Leor Berman, who, who gets in and plays at times. You're looking at Chaney Johnson. You, you're looking at those types of guys, Chris Moore even. And I know there's been a big, big conversation, and that's a growing topic, I think, within uh, the, the Auburn fan base about why does Chris Moore start? Right, That's a question I've seen floating around quite a bit um, in my friend circles and on social media, and a lot of that has started to really float. And here's what I'll say about that. we got a couple of minutes. I'll go ahead and address this. I think, and I think I've talked about this before, but I think Chris Moore starts because he's a veteran guy. He's a veteran player. He's been on this team for a long time. He's been playing SEC basketball for a long time. And... Chris Moore is not going to hurt you in any way, shape, or form. He's not going to take and miss a bunch of shots. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to get beat super bad on defense, right? He's not going to hurt you. Now, is Chris Moore going to go out and drop a 20-piece and throw it down on somebody's head and and knock in a bunch of three-pointers? No, he's not going to do that either. But he's just a steady piece in the starting lineup. He's a guy that when you go on the road to Tuscaloosa next Wednesday, he's not going to be worried about being in the starting five. He's not going to stress out at the half-empty Coleman College. Well, they'll probably fill it up because Auburn's there, but you hear what I'm saying, right? You you take Chris Moore on the road somewhere, he's not going to be stressed out. He's not going to flip out. He's not going to have anxiety. He's not going to worry. He doesn't play a whole lot of minutes. Go look at the breakdown. He's playing less than 15 minutes a game because Chad baker Mazar is coming in and playing a lot of his minutes, and rightfully so. But Chris Moore is just a nice constant piece in that rotation, and it also limits the drop-off you have going to the bench because now instead of Chad baker Mazar starting and it being a little bit more of a drop-off when you go to the second five, you're bringing Chad baker Mazara off the bench A guy that could be starting, I think, just about in every other SEC team right now. That's a strength that Auburn and Bruce Pearl have. That's why Chris Moore continues to start. There's a lot more to say on that. There's a lot more basketball to talk about, football as well. And I'd love for you to be a part of it. 334-321-1390. Hour number two coming up. Plus, Chris Gordy will join us at 3.30 from the Locked On SEC podcast. You don't want to miss it. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. 
Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you missed any of hour number one, you can go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. That's our station website. You'll find all of our previous shows there, hours and the drive. They're all located right there. Or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We post it right after the show. Yesterday was a little bit later. I uh, got posted today, so do apologize for that. But uh, most of the time, uh, they get uploaded right after each and every show. So in that first hour, we talked a lot of basketball as Auburn took down Vanderbilt yesterday. Also uh, talked with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. And so a great conversation with him about basketball. Tiger Talk coming up tonight, what you can expect to hear from that. And that'll be on Wings 94.3 at 6 p.m. Or you can check it out at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Uh, you can go out there tonight and join them for Tiger Talk. Coming up here in hour number two, we're about to get to the phone lines, and you, we would love for you uh, to join us on there as well. 334-321-1390. And then coming up in about 30 minutes, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us. We'll talk all things SEC. So until then, like I said, phone lines are open. Come on in, be a part of the show. 334-321-1390. And that's how we start hour number two. And Terry, you're on the line hey jacob how's it going man it's going good man what's on your mind the guy you were talking about more in the lineup that let me tell let me how how central how important that really is okay uh because guys like that you have to have guys like that to keep a team together you have to guys like that that aren't not worried about the contract at the next level Mm -hmm. he's going to give up the pass he's going to make the extra pass he's going to defend he's going to do all the things the dirty work every team in history has had those guys because if you have a room full of superstars or five superstars there's only one basketball yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. A guy that, yeah, and, you know, nothing against Chris Moore, but it is a guy that's, yeah, he's not, I don't think he's really worried about playing high-level NBA basketball. I mean, he's a guy that's experienced in the SEC, experienced at Auburn, but he's not going to go and be the next LeBron James, I don't think. And so, yeah, I think he, he plays the game the right way. And yeah, like you said, Terry, he's going to do the things that it takes to win games. He knows what it takes. He's a champion here at Auburn. And so, yeah, every team needs a guy like that. And I think the heartfelt of this team is Chris Moore. And he's going to take up a place on the roster in the NBA, possibly, and make more money than we'll ever dream about having. You're right about that. That's for sure. All it takes is one, one signature on the paper, and he'll make more money than we've ever thought about. Right. And I'll make some about Jalen Williams, too. Jalen Williams has played himself into not maybe not a sixth man in the NBA, but a seventh or eighth guy. But again, the guy's gonna make a ton of money in the NBA. He's he's playing really well, and he may not be first team All SEC for us, but I bet he's second team. Yeah, well, I think he. I mean, I think he should be. And, and you know, you heard Brad Law talking about he's playing he's playing SEC Player of the Year type of of caliber right now. And, right and and I'm with him. I'm with him on that. And Brad made a good point too. He said the the one thing we continue to talk about the strength of this Auburn team is the depth. Right? That could hurt Jalen's SEC Player of the Year. Um, uh, I guess his resume, but he's not worried about that. And I don't think Auburn fans are worried about that. But he's playing at that high of a level right now. You better believe it. You know what he kind of strikes me as one of those guys that. Um the coach at San Antonio Popovich had during that, their great run. One of those guys just come off the bench as like their seventh, eighth guy, mm-hmm. like a Matt Bonner. Okay. Florida. Yeah, They're yeah, yeah, yeah. And, made, made, and didn't have to make money and win rings. Yeah, yeah. Just hang around, do the, play the right way. He's effective when you call his name, but he doesn't have to be the guy night in and night out, and that's 1,000% Jalen Williams. There's plenty of other guys that will do that. 
Yeah. The one basketball mentality, not two. Yep, that's right, Terry. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the call, Terry. 334-321-1390. And that's a great point uh, about Jalen Williams. I saw somebody on on X last night send out a tweet, and I can't remember can't remember who it was. May have been a text. I, I apologize. I get all my stuff mixed up. But um, there's no way if he continues to play at this level, talking about Jalen Williams, if he continues to play at the level he's playing at, again, the guy didn't miss a shot last night, okay? Did not miss a shot in an SEC game on the road. The second time he's done that this year, he's Auburn's leading scorer. He's a just a beast on the glass. Like, he is... The guy that, or I guess he's not, Jani is technically Auburn's leading scorer, but I think Jalen could get there, okay? If he continues to play at this level and he finally understands how good he is at basketball and when he gets that killer mentality, he's better than anybody on the floor. If he continues to carry that with him, you're telling me there's not an NBA team that's not willing to take a risk on this guy, take a chance. I'm not saying a risk. I think a chance. Give him a shot. And he doesn't have to be a starter, Right, like Terry was saying, put him on your bench somewhere as a sixth, seventh, eighth man. Because when you call on his name, I firmly believe that he has been trained the right way. He's been taught the right way. He's been brought up the right way before he got to Auburn. And of course, during his time here on the Plains, that you can rely on him. And I think NBA teams are seeing that right now with other Auburn players. Look at JT Thor. Look at Chuma Okiki. Right? Look at Isaac Okoro. Look at Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. Those guys are playing good basketball right now in the NBA. Some are starting, some are not. Some are playing decent minutes, and some are playing five and six minutes. But when their name is called and their number is being relied on on the floor, they're producing. And they're not losing games for their teams. They're actually winning games for their teams more times than not. And I think that's exactly what you're going to see with Jalen Williams if he does make it or when he does make it to the next level. There's got to be a team out there that can use a guy like Jalen Williams who can shoot the basketball, can put it on the floor, finish at the rim, knock down free throws, grab offensive rebounds, grab defensive rebounds, can handle the basketball, and pretty much do anything you ask him to do. So why would you not, if you're a middle-of-the-pack, below-average NBA team looking to find an X-factor, looking to find a, a steal in the draft, why would you not? Why would you not go for a Jayla? Even if you're like a championship-level team, right? Let's say that you are whoever, right? The Celtics or the Bucks or the Mavs or whoever. And you're looking for somebody to, to, to take a chance on. That could be good that maybe not a ton of people are going to give a chance to. Why not go after Jalen Williams? Because if you get the player that he is right now, that he's playing like right now, which is first-team All-SEC, potential SEC player of the year, any team would be lucky to have him. And I'll tell you who is very lucky to have him, and that's Bruce Pearl and this Auburn basketball team. They go on the road last night, and they take down Vanderbilt by 15 in a place that they have just not played well. That gym is weird. Man, I'll say it. It's weird. It's 
cool, I guess, but it's weird. And Auburn doesn't have to play there anymore this year. They're done, thankfully. They go on the road. They get that 15-point win. And you start looking ahead for this Auburn basketball team at what's coming up. And we talked a little bit about it with Brad Law in the first hour. And we'll talk some more about this with Chris Gordy and the entire SEC when he joins us coming up in about 20 minutes or so. You have Ole Miss this this Saturday at home in Neville Arena. Ole Miss is number 22, but I don't think that's going to last very long because in case you didn't see what happened last night, they went on the road and lost to LSU 89-80. to And... That was a two-point game at half, and LSU beat them in the second half. They were up by more than that. They were up by double digits for a lot of that second half was LSU last night, and Ole Miss just couldn't ever get back in the game. They couldn't ever overcome a lot of their mistakes, and that's an underrated LSU team. People look at that program and and think, wow, that's LSU. They're terrible. They haven't been anything over the last couple of years. That is true. But they're a better team this year, and they're going to be better as the year goes on. And you remember what Auburn did to them. I think that will eventually be a pretty good win for Auburn this year. But Ole Miss went on the road, and they lost to LSU last night. So the new rankings won't come out till Monday for the AP poll. So Ole Miss will still be a top 25 team when Auburn plays them on Saturday. But I don't think they'll be ranked come Monday. But that doesn't matter. doesn't mean they're not a good team. They're a really good team. That's a really talented Ole Miss squad who is now 15-2 and on the year and 2-2 and in conference play. Their two losses are on the road at LSU last night and a 26-point loss on the road at Tennessee, who's the number five team in the country, who, by the way, plays host to Alabama this weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit in, in a second. But Auburn cannot afford to mess around with any of their SEC opponents. We always feel confident about this team at home, right? We feel good that Auburn is always going to win their games at home because Neville Arena is one of the toughest places to play in college basketball. And that is true. But there's some serious dudes on that Ole Miss squad. And a guy that Auburn's going to recognize a name and a face that they've heard a lot in the past few years wearing the orange and blue, is Alan Flanagan, who will return to Neville Arena for his first time back since transferring to Ole Miss, since following his dad, Wes, to the Rebels to become a part of the program that Chris Beard is now a head coach at, which that's wild in itself. Chris Beard's a wonderful basketball coach. He is a fantastic basketball coach. Regardless of everything that's happened in his life on and off the floor, he's a really good basketball coach, okay? And I'm really curious on what the true reception of Alan Flanagan is going to be on Saturday inside of Neville Arena. And, and I would love to get your takes on this. 334-321-1390. A guy in Alan Flanagan that graduated from Auburn, played at Auburn for many, many years, at one point was the best player at Auburn, had his ups and downs on the way out, but a guy that spent a lot of time here and did a lot of good things here. Will Alan Flanagan get a good reception when he comes back, or will he not? I don't know. I think I know the answer. I think I know what's going to happen, but I don't. We're all going to find out together at 7.30, and before that, when they come out for warm-ups, 
and eventually when his name is called as a starter for the Ole Miss Rebels. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think the students are going to give him as much attention as he wants. I think they are going to let him have it. Why? Because that's what students are supposed to do. That's what the student section is supposed to do. They're supposed to give the opposing players, the big-name players on opposing teams, they're supposed to make their night a living you-know-what. They're supposed to make it hard. It's not supposed to be easy to come on the road in the SEC. It's not supposed to be easy to come to Neville Arena if you're a good player, a big-name player. Same way they treated Bronny James earlier this year. Same way they're going to treat Sears when he comes here. How they treated other players in the past, right, from Alabama and Kentucky and Tennessee and Ole Miss, right? That's what the student section's supposed to do. Make his life hard. Absolutely. But I think overall, I would like to think that the Auburn fans inside of Neville Arena come Saturday night right before opening tip would give him the ovation that a former Auburn player, an Auburn graduate, deserves. Whether you like him or not, whether you liked the way he played here or not, whether you like his dad and how he coached here or not, that's irrelevant. He's a former Auburn Tiger who has a degree from this wonderful university. And I think that's what you're going to hear on Saturday. But I don't know. And that's a really interesting interesting time or a, um, a storyline here. Now, when it comes to what's going to happen on the floor, wouldn't it just be so storybook for Auburn? Wouldn't it be Jabba if Auburn let Alan Flanagan come in here and have a career night, come in here and, and put 30 points on Auburn, double-double, hit some big threes and be the reason they win this game and the reason Ole Miss came in here and upset Auburn, wouldn't that just be about on par with everything? It would. I don't think that happens. I think Auburn's going to win this game. I think Auburn wins this game pretty easily. Well, okay, maybe not easily. But I think Auburn's going to win. Auburn, according to ESPN's matchup predictor, 92% chance to win over a top 25 team. That tells you right there how good this Auburn team really is. So I'm excited for that. And I want to hear your thoughts on this, your takes on Auburn hosting Ole Miss as we begin to turn the page and look towards this weekend. 334-321-1390. More basketball talk, more football talk when we come back. Plus Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He will join us coming up in about 13 minutes or so. So be sure you're here. You don't want to miss that. We'll talk all things SEC football, basketball with him. All that coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Hi, back inside the studio here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Got about 10 minutes or so before uh, we have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He'll join us as he does every Thursday on the phone lines. Uh, one of these years, we'll get him in studio, but that requires flying him in from Houston, and we just don't have the money for that. So one of these days, we'll have him in studio. But until then, he'll join us on the phone lines as he does every Thursday. But until then, you can be with us on the phones, 334-321-1390. Whatever's on your mind, if you want to talk Auburn basketball, Auburn football, uh, if you want to talk um, playoffs, I mean, whatever, whatever's on your mind. 
Would love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. And a lot of the news for Auburn football right now is the the coaching news, right? It is um, it's the the coaching news with Derek Nix, Ken Austin, still looking for that defensive coordinator, right? Because that's the expectation is is Auburn to be looking for a new one. And Jason Caldwell on the drive yesterday, when I was sitting in filling in for uh, Bill and Dan, um, he brought up an interesting name in DJ Durkin. And I really, really like that name. I and not the name itself. I like the guy, right? I think he's a really good defensive mind. And I think that would be a good fit. I think Auburn could could make do with that. Um, but I also just don't fully know exactly where they're heading here. And that's kind of the conversation Jason and I had yesterday was it's still up in the air. And and I think they had so much invested on the offensive side that they just weren't really concerned with the defensive side as of yet. And so we'll keep you updated on that um, whenever whenever that, uh, whenever that becomes a thing. And it may be this weekend. It could be next week. could be a few weeks. Who knows, right? Other news for Auburn, and this isn't more news. This is more just speculation, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, when it comes to that quarterback situation, had great conversation about this yesterday on my show and on the drive um, about this quarterback spot and whether Auburn is going to go and get one in the portal or not. And we've been having this conversation, and I'm still curious on where you stand on this. Do you want a quarterback right now? Do you want one out of the portal? Do you want one out of the portal come spring or are you happy, excited, confident with the guys that are in the room right now? Peyton Thorne, Hank Brown, Holden Garner, and Walker White, right? Are you confident, excited, optimistic about those guys? Or, oh crap, we need to go get somebody because I haven't seen anything good so far. And the last last time we saw Peyton Thorne, he got, he got beat pretty bad by Maryland in the bowl game. And the reason I ask this is because there's a quarterback right now, a transfer quarterback by the name of Jordan McLeod from James Madison, that he may have a little interest in Auburn. All right, some social media stuff going on, and you know it's it, it was nothing more than just likes and reshares and stuff on social media, but it's yet again another quarterback that may have interest in coming here. And look, I think Auburn had conversations with quarterbacks in, in, in this offseason. I think they did. I think they had interest in some guys in the portal, and they didn't find the one that they wanted. And Uncle T-Bone had a huge thing on this yesterday about Will Rogers, about if Will Rogers should come to Auburn or if Auburn should go after Will Rogers. And if you didn't hear, I'd call it a rant yesterday. You can go catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com. But he had some things to say yesterday about it. And I tended to agree with him because here's what he had to say. And the problem is, and here's what T-Bone was saying yesterday, is Will Rogers that much better? Is he so much better than anybody else on the roster that Auburn would be willing to go and pay him what it took or what it takes to get him here? And that's a huge part in all of this, whether it be Will Rogers or whether it was going to be Cam Ward or whether it was whoever in the world it was going to be or might be or could be down the road, you've got to go pay these guys. 
You can't just bring him in and fill a scholarship spot anymore. That's not what this is about. You've got to pay them. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the price tag on Will Rogers is pretty heavy. And I don't know if Auburn's willing to do that or not. Given what they're already doing with other players in the transfer portal that they've brought in, and who also they're trying to get in the high school recruiting ranks. Have you forgotten about the receiver they're trying to go after? Have you forgotten about that? Who would you rather have right now? A one-year transfer quarterback that may or may not be good here? Or go get Ryan Williams? You tell me. Would you rather take a chance on the quarterbacks that are here or go get a one-year rental and then be right back in this same spot a year from now? That's up to you. That's your opinion. I like to think right now, currently as it stands on January 18th, 2024, I like to think that Auburn's going to be okay in the quarterback room. I like to think that Auburn has very talented guys in that room and eventually one of them will emerge. Now, will that be after the spring window? I doubt it. Will we know sometime in the summer? Probably not. It probably will not be established by day one of fall camp. It will be somewhere in that period in August, which will not be long from now. That's when we will find out. That's when we will learn who the next quarterback at Auburn's going to be. And what if it ends up being a situation, right as I pull up Auburn's schedule for next year, what if it ends up being a situation where it's changing, right? What if the schedule allows you to play numerous quarterbacks to start the year until you truly figure it out? I'm not a fan of that. I, I'm not. I, I, I borderline hate that strategy, but you, if, if that's what you have to do, it's what you have to do. But you play Alabama A&M, California, and New Mexico State in your first three games. So if you were in that position, which is where we sort of were this year, right? we had a starter, but we weren't 100% sure, and we had guys playing behind him, whatever, I think the schedule allows you to do that next year. If you still have question marks come August 31st when Alabama State, or Alabama A&M, excuse me, comes to Jordan-Hare Stadium, you have options. You have a chance to play numerous quarterbacks, first half, second half, third quarter, fourth quarter, whatever. But I'm confident with Hugh Freeze, Derek Nix, Ken Austin, and everybody else on that offensive staff that they will be able to train, teach, and elevate a quarterback in that room right now. Whether it be Peyton Thorne to get him back to his Michigan State type of level where he had them as the number three team in the country before they got blown out against Ohio State. Whether it be Hold Gurner, who... I think has the best arm in the room. His potential sky high. He's just got to get there. Whether it be Hank Brown, who could be a dark horse in this whole thing, who, of course, looked pretty good at the end of the bowl game against Maryland, and a lot of fans have started to jump on that train. Or whether it be the shiny freshman, Walker White, coming in. Maybe he comes in and just beats out everybody. You never know. But out of those four, surely 
one of them can be emerge and become the guy. Surely one of them gives you a good chance to win eight or nine games next year. Because the schedule allows for you to do that. You're going to have the playmakers to do that. I think you're going to have the defense to do that. The offensive line to do that. The running backs for sure to do that. It all comes down to the quarterback spot, man. I really believe that. And I'm confident that one of those guys can become that without having to go to the transfer portal. Coming up, we'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. We'll talk all things Southeastern Conference, football, basketball, and more. That's coming up here on the ESPN 1067. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, and we get to the phone lines because Chris Gordy, our usual Thursday guest at 3.30, joining us now. He is the host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Chris, happy Thursday, man. Hope you're doing well. We appreciate your time as always. Yeah, man. Good to talk with you on this week of the uh, the death of the dynasty. As uh, Tuscaloosa yeah. realizes uh, that everything they've built up the last 17 years has come crashing down. Yeah, it's almost like one man really did make a difference. <laughs> it's it's so fascinating because look, we've been we've been talking about it all week on the on our show, locked on SEC, and I can't get over. Like, I really thought. I don't know why I thought this. I just thought Alabama fans were a little bit more realistic and would say, hey, look, we just lost the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, it's kind of expected we may have a little bit of a downward uh, a downward push here, and it's going to take a little time to kind of build back up. But they are – I mean, look at some of the comments on our YouTube page today. Like, they're literally saying, oh, yeah, this is going to be fine. We're just going to – we're going to pick up right where we left <laughs> off. And we're just going to keep this thing going. I'm Caleb going, Downs isn't even that good, Chris. Yeah, I'm like, what world do you live in? And, and it's like, <laughs> look, there are some realists out there. There are some who are like, look, you know, because I've seen a bunch that say, if you ain't wearing crimson, I don't care about you. It's like, okay, I guess that's a good approach to take and understand if you, you know, I think one guy told me, if we go 9-3, and that would be a huge win this year. And I agree, that would be, that would be big for, for Kalen DeBoer. But there was a guy called Feinbaum, I think on Monday, who said, I think, I think this guy, if he gets going here, he might, he might be better than Saban. Oh, I'm going, God. What planet are we living on? The greatest coach of all time, this guy might be better than? Like, he hasn't even co- – he's coaching FBS four years. Like, let's, let's see how he does coaching his first SEC game first. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing how uh, just out of touch a lot of Alabama fans are, but I guess it's par for the course. This is kind of they, – they've always been. Yeah, and you know it, it's hard to it's hard I think for them and I think for a lot of SEC fans, Auburn fans included, to remember a time before Nick Saban, right? To remember the Alabama before he got there, and Auburn fans can remember it a lot better than others because of the uh, the dominance that Auburn had in the Tuberville years before Nick Saban got there. But I mean, they, they've got to look past that. I mean, look, he may be he may have an office in the stadium and have his hands on everything that's happening there, but he's not the head coach, and so. Chris, I'm curious, with the narrative that a lot of us have taken, myself included, that the next guy after Saban is doomed to fail, there's no possible way to succeed, is that really true with Kalen DeBoer himself as the head coach? Well, I, I look, I, 
when the news came out on Friday, I, I, I just kept saying, like, I thought Mike Norvell would have been a really good hire. I thought Sark would have been a home run hire. Uh, Dan Lanning, I was kind of back and forth on, right? The only, the only thing I liked with Dan Lanning is he's young, and he's, and he's worked at both places. He, he was a grad assistant at, at Bama for a year, and then, of course, he spent the last handful of years at Georgia before he took the Oregon job. So, you know, he's if I'm gonna if I'm gonna gripe about DeBoer having only four years as a head coach at the FBS level, at least Dan Lanning knows the inner workings of what it takes to win and coach at Alabama and Georgia, recruit in the SEC and all that. But I was asking some people and I couldn't get a straight answer. I said, has Caleb DeBoer ever stepped foot on a on a high school in Atlanta, Georgia, or you know, Mobile, Alabama, or Orlando, Florida? Like has he ever been to the South? Because every job he's had has been up north. Yeah, I mean, Sioux Falls is where he played and where he coached for over a decade. You know, I have people tell, oh, this guy's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been. I'm like, yeah, but winning at Sioux Falls 15 years ago doesn't really, like, that doesn't tell me anything about what you're going to do in the SEC in 2024. Like, uh, I had to go look it, look it up. Like, he had a fantastic record there. What did he go, like 60-7-3 or something? But go look at some of the teams he beat. He beat... Uh, Carroll College for a championship at the NAIA level. Like, no offense, but like, there are schools in, there are high schools in the state of Alabama who could probably beat Carroll College. So, like, I can't take anything from that other than, hey, he did a good job there. But I look at the last few years, and obviously he was a coordinator for many, many years, uh, bouncing around at different schools, all in kind of like the Midwest, uh, kind of, you know, the, all those, those, uh, I guess, flyover states, you'd call them, mm-hmm. uh, Michigan State, Indiana, all that. But like, uh, really, as a head coach, he gets to Fresno State in the COVID year, goes 3-3 three and three his first year, so you can't really take anything from that. And then the next year has a nice year. They win. He wins nine games. Now they win ten because they won the bowl game after he left, but he had already left for the Washington job. And obviously these last two years at Washington have been great. But I will say, the caveat is he brought Michael Penix with him. Penix was his – he was the OC with Penix at Indiana three years ago. He brought him with him to Washington. And conveniently, the last two years, he's had one of the best college football quarterbacks in Michael Penix. Now, again, chicken or the egg. Did Kalen DeBoer get the best out of Michael Penix? Or did Michael Penix make Kalen DeBoer look really good? Probably a combination of the both. But this is his first you know, true task and his challenge to see what can he get out of Jalen Milrow. And particularly, if all these guys are jumping ship and the roster's getting depleted, man, it's going to make it that much harder for a guy who's never recruited the South before. So... That, that's all I said. I, I kept telling people, I, you know, the, the names I thought. I thought Sark would have been a home run hire. I thought Norvell would have been really good. And, you know, if anybody wanted to fight me, well, none of them will win at the rate that this guy wins. Great. Uh, it, it's showing right now these kids have never heard of him. Nobody knows who he is. I even said pe- to people prior to the playoffs, go poll 100 Bama fans. How many people on December 1st could have told you who the Washington head coach was? <laughs> Kalen DeBoer was a name that we got familiar with throughout the playoffs. Yeah. And again, he did a great job. He beat Texas in the Sugar Bowl, and he you know, obviously came up short against Michigan in the national championship game. But he's a guy that largely a lot of people didn't know who the hell he was you know, two, three, four months ago. So, uh, again, I'm not saying it's a bad hire. I'm just saying it's a wait-and-see hire. And I'm shocked how many people in our industry are running out there going, this is a home run hire. Oh, my God, this guy's incredible. And I'm like, let's wait and see. Because I had those same media members tweeting four or five years ago, Brian Harson, this guy. There it is. Oh, he's going to bring some great things to Auburn. Um, you know, he, I, hey, I, he was I'll a winner too, Chris. He won everywhere he had been. <laughs> well, I'll give you this too, <clears throat> a, a, a quick comp. And this is if he doesn't learn to recruit in the South. He's, an, he's a great X's and O's coach. We've seen that from, from Kalen DeBoer. You know who else was? Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen mm. went to Florida, and, man, he could X and O you to death. 
But you know what Dan Mullen didn't do? He didn't recruit. And at the end of the day, he didn't have the, the number of four and five star players that he needed at Florida. And that's where he lost, and that's why he got fired. So, Kalen DeBoer, welcome to SEC country. You've got, if you've already, if there's any question on you as a recruiter, you're already behind the eight ball coming to this conference because everyone here knows how to recruit. And uh, look, it takes, it takes NIL. It takes everything nowadays. And Bama was even behind on that. I mean, for the last decade plus, they've been able to sell Nick Saban and Saban alone. He's going to get you to the league, and he's going to win you a championship. That's what they could sell. They didn't have to invest in NIL. Now suddenly they're caught with their pants down going, oh, wait a minute. Kids aren't just excited to come play for Kalen's Four. We've got to like actually pay him now? Right. Yeah, welcome to 2024. Well, they're seeing that right now with the uh, with the mass exit of guys in the transfer portal. I mean, they're hitting high double digits right now, Chris. They're new guys entering every single day, and programs like Auburn and head coaches like Hugh Freeze are trying to take advantage of it. Florida State's doing it a lot. I mean, other big time programs are pouncing on the opportunity. Uh, Auburn got Antonio Kite yesterday. Uh, Florida State's picked up quite a few players. I mean, people are seizing the day here that Nick Saban is gone and Alabama players are just jumping ship. Oh, I love it. I mean, this is this is exactly what they what they did to all of us, to, to everyone else in the SEC for the last that's right, you know, decade plus. You know, they they come and pick up your scraps. Uh, you know, Ed Ogeron hadn't even really been fired from from LSU that long, and in comes Nick Saban to take Eli Ricks off their hands. Now, Eli didn't pan out to be great at Alabama, but that's besides the case. He was one of LSU's best corners, and LSU is still chasing trying to find reliable quarterback they haven't had one since so um yeah i mean it's like for Bama fans who are uh you know upset or in their feelings or whatever it's it's crimea river i I said this for years of the other 13 um you know or or the other uh what 15 fan bases you know around the conference like we were all going to throw a celebration and pop bottles and and have a cocktail or two the night that nick saban retires and that's exactly what a lot of folks did and it, it, you, actually, you absolutely should celebrate. That guy has been a thorn in everybody's side. I've seen some people, you know, some Alabama people tweeting out yesterday, oh, yeah, everyone's just celebrating and acting like we didn't just own your ass for the last 17 years. I saw you know, Cruz Oxenreiter, a guy I follow, he said, non-Alabama fans are tweeting out 17 years of worth of aggression and frustration. And it's like supposed to be like a cocky tweet. I'm going, Shut hell yeah, up. they are. Hell yeah. yeah. Yes, we absolutely are, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. This is what Alabama's done every time Nick Saban has gotten a coach fired. That's what I always loved is when Nick Saban tried to be sympathetic when, you know, Gus Malzahn gets fired or Les Miles gets fired or, you know, whoever, all the debacles they had at Tennessee from Jeremy Pruitt to Derek Dooley. Every time one of those guys got fired, Nick Saban had to go, I mean, I thought he did a great job. It was a shame. They didn't <laughs> yeah. Give him a chance. yeah, he slept a little Going better that, that night. Know, yeah, you know, you know, Saban is, is he was straight up responsible for half those guys being fired because yep. they could never beat him. So again, that, I, look, I say it yes, but like yes, the rest of the SEC should be celebrating. Absolutely, take enjoyment as you watch Bama lose five star after five star, either current recruit, current commit, or current roster kid jumping ship. Yes, this is this day. Welcome back to two thousand four, two thousand five, back when you had Mike Shula. That's what all. That's what Alabama was, and honestly, I remember being in school at the time. LSU, their biggest rival was Auburn. It was about beating Tommy Tupperville and getting past the Auburn Tigers. We didn't think twice about Alabama. They were an afterthought. Who get, who cared about Alabama and Mike Shula? We were worried about Auburn and Tupperville. So it's just kind of funny. People forget very quickly uh, where Alabama was prior to Saban getting there. 
And I'll say this, too, as we're talking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast here on ESPN 106.7. I'll say this. The reaction so far here at Auburn on the Plains, Chris, has been pretty accepting of Kayla DeBoer so far because we just don't know what he's going to do. It's like everybody else. I mean, nobody knows how it's going to go down. But out of all those other names that were floating around that you've named as well, I mean, this is kind of one of the better hires because it just doesn't seem like it's going to work. Yeah, I, I mean, it, again, it, it's not scaring anybody. Is, exactly. Is, I guess my, my exactly. Point. Um, Kalen DeBoer, again, no one's saying he's not a good coach, but like, how many good coaches have we seen come to this conference and, and fail? I mean, you know, Brett Bielema was a pretty damn good coach up at the Big Ten. He comes to the SEC, falls flat on his face. Look at what he's been doing in Illinois the last few years. He's a good coach again. It's, it's just so funny how that happens. Some guys, they're just not cut out. They don't have the, you know, whatever you, the chutzpah you would call it to, to succeed in the SEC. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe Moorhead, I remember people raving about him. He gets to Mississippi State, falls flat on his face. I mean, it's just there's some guys where it eats them alive, and we'll see if that happens to Kalen DeBoer. Has he had a great run these last handful of years? Yes. But those great runs can come crashing to a halt if you don't do everything you need to do. And this isn't like he was hired at Ole Miss, right, Jacob? Like, he yeah. was hired at Alabama, the toughest place of all, where the standard is, go undefeated or we're calling for your head. Championship so like, or you're yeah. fired, yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm a little hesitant. And, and when I look at him bringing – like, I thought, okay, you're going to hire that guy. Well, let's go get some proven SEC recruiters and proven names. You know, like a Burton Burns, remember, for years, was always like one of the top Alabama recruiters. And then in the next breath, they go, yeah, he's going to bring Ryan Grubb, his OC from Washington. He's going to bring his O-line coach and his tight ends coach from Washington. I'm like – that's fine if you want to keep continuity, but brother, welcome to the South. This is the SEC. Like what you did at Washington might not work down here week in and out when you got to play Oklahoma or you got to play Texas or you got to play Auburn or LSU or A&M or Tennessee. I mean, it is brutal. So, you know, it's, it's just going to be fascinating. Look, Kane Wabick, the, the, the uh, head coach at South Alabama is going to come run the, deep, the defense. We'll see how he does. Again, having success at South Alabama is one thing. Coaching at Alabama – Man, they ran Pete Golding out of town. That man was, was actually a pretty damn good defensive coordinator. We're already seeing it Ole Miss. So, again, just be careful what you, what you wish for. And uh, like you said, we're all in wait-and-see mode. But it, it would put it this way, it would shock me if Kalen DeBoer has instant success and Bama goes 11-1 and and makes the playoffs next year. Not that I wouldn't want to sit here and talk more about the demise of the Alabama football program, because we could do that for a while, Chris. But I do want to get your thoughts on a little bit of SEC basketball. I asked you this a couple of weeks ago. I didn't get the answer I was looking for, so I'm going to ask it again. Can you tell me now why Auburn's the best team in the SEC and has a chance to win the national championship? <laughs> well, look, it's, it's, been, it's been pretty uh, phenomenal what uh, – what they've done and and obviously what Alabama is doing. And so it's, you know, these two teams are set for a, a collision course here sooner rather than later. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, I think you can make the case certainly that Auburn is, is, is the best team in the SEC right now. I, I told you guys, you had nothing to worry about with LSU coming in this past weekend. And it was funny. I think what LSU had a lead or it was tied early on. And then suddenly you just saw it all, You saw Auburn say, all right, we're putting our foot on, on your throat and running away. And then we see LSU bounce back and have a nice win at home the other night against Ole Miss. Very nice. You know, my buddy texted me. He goes, hey, LSU actually looks pretty good this year if they're not playing anybody named Auburn. I said, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's crazy how that works. So, yep. uh, yeah, Auburn's probably been the most impressive. Um, they also don't have the of, – of the two undefeated teams in the SEC, they have the uh, the less um, 
less douchey coach, I would say, you know, compared to uh, Nate Oates. So yeah. um, he, he shows his ass every time he goes out there and does something <laughs> stupid. But uh, uh, Bruce, per- who knew Bruce Pearl would be the guy, the role model that everybody would be looking towards going, that guy is the epitome of class. So, um, no, it, look, Auburn's been great. Uh, you, you're going to have a tough road here coming up with, with Ole Miss and then going to Alabama. But, uh, no, they, they've passed with flying colors so far. I mean, has it been every conference win by, by double digits at least? It's, mm-hmm. been, it's been impressive. Yeah, I think in their last 10 games on this winning streak, three or four of those have been in conference play. They've won by double digits. I mean, it's just – it's kind of insane. And then the rest of the conference, before we let you go, Chris, I mean, it's just like every other conference in college basketball, eating itself alive where ranked teams go on the road and more times than not, they're losing. Yeah, it's it's just it's the reality of, of the conference. Um, you know, it's I'm, I'm actually surprised we have so many you know three and one teams. Right? I mean, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky. I th- still think is primed to. You know, I, I think they're going to only have a couple losses when this is all said and done. I think LSU's been playing a little bit above their head. I don't think you know you, three and one in the conference. I don't think they're that good. I think they'll come back down to earth. But obviously, Chris Beard's doing a good job at Ole Miss, and they're sitting there two and two. So I I think they're going to be primed for some upsets here. You know, Arkansas being one in three in conference play, everybody's looking at, at, at uh, you know, Musk saying what's going on here. So, uh, and then like A&M, A&M scrappy as hell. They snuck up and bit Kentucky last weekend. Yeah. In uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt, they're both winless, but I still think Missouri's scrappy, man. Like they can go toe-to-toe with you and give you a game. Vanderbilt's the only one that they just haven't really been very competitive in a lot of their games so far. So you're right. I mean, I, I still think Mississippi State's going to, you know, pull off some upsets. So yeah, it's still very much the uh, the SEC where you can't just rest on your laurels and say, "Oh, we're we're gonna have four or five very elite teams and everybody else is trash." No, you're gonna have some middling teams pulling off upsets as the season rolls on. He joins us every Thursday. It's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Chris, as always, brother, we appreciate you. Always enjoy talking with you, uh, talking football and basketball now as we are about halfway through January. Tell everybody where they can find you in your podcast, what's coming up as we get close to another big weekend of basketball in the conference. Yeah, Locked On SEC, wherever you get your podcast. We're still talking majority uh, football right now. We haven't gotten too much into basketball talk just yet because Man, it has just been uh, news on top of news on top of news, talking about uh, Derek Nix coming over to be the, the new Auburn OC. And then shout-out Antonio Kite for the first time in almost yeah. one decade. A guy going from Bama to Auburn. That is how you fuel iron for the Iron Bowl. Antonio Kite better come up big in the Iron Bowl because that is awesome, making that shift. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch him. Awesome. Well, everybody go check it out. Locked on SEC on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Daily shows about the SEC from the one and only Chris Gordy. Man, as always, appreciate your time, and we'll have you on again next week. All right. Thanks, Jacob. That's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Go check it out. we got to get to our final break. Wrap it up quickly on the other side here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. Appreciate Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Also, Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network back in hour number one. And of course, most importantly, you, the listeners, for being a part of the show today. Uh, we've talked a lot of basketball on the show today. Football as well with the news of Derek Nix, Ken Austin, of course, Antonio Kite. We had a lot of talk 
and conversation about him back in hour number one. Uh, So all good things uh, on the show today. So if you missed any of it, you can go and uh, find the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com, or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, It'll be uploaded right after the show. So be sure you go and uh, check that out. Here's what's coming up for uh, the rest of the afternoon here and on the shows tomorrow, just to give you an update here on ESPN 106.7. Bill and Dan still out of town for the drive, so it's going to be a little bit different for the drive coming up today. I hosted it yesterday, and then today, Jack Hutton. Good friend of mine, Jumpin' Jack Cutton, very familiar voice and name on the airwaves here at Auburn Network. He'll actually be hosting the drive coming up from 4 to 6, so excited to hear uh, how he does today. He'll be joined by Coach Don Dunn. I know that's been a fan favorite so far, so he'll be in the studio as well. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer will join them on the phone lines at some point in the show. And then it's Thursday, so Tiger Takes with Dylan Cardwell will be in hour number two. That'll be at 5.30. So busy show coming up for the drive today. Then over on Wings 94.3. You can catch Tiger Talk. Uh, that is at 6 o'clock. They'll be live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill, or you can check it out from 6 to 7 on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. Tonight, I'm on the air for Lee Scott Basketball over on Tiger Country 104.5. On the air at 5.15, Lee Scott Academy taking on Springwood, Varsity Girls and Boys to so come join me on the Lee Scott Sports Network tomorrow. Me and Uncle T-Bone for a free-for-all Friday right here on ESPN 1067 and then no drive tomorrow all right no show tomorrow for the drive they'll be back on monday and then uh, we'll be back on monday as well but we will be here tomorrow on the line be sure you tune in me and uncle t-bone free for all friday more football news predicting basketball a huge weekend in college basketball and of course whatever else and nfl playoffs got to talk about that too two to four right here on espn 1067 until then i'm jacob Goins. stay safe i'll talk to you later